Welcome to the podcast. I was having twenty nine. Uh, but let's uh, let's first head over to the Nerdist Community Corkboard, where the plucky Katie and the delightful Kyle Hi. are at, ready to go. Uh, you want to go first? Sure. This is from. I am going to butcher this person's name. Tishka Valadina. Uh, she is an avid animal and art lover, and she also studies medicine full-time, and she recently started an Etsy store selling her handmade watercolor and soft lead pencil artworks that feature endangered animals with 100% of the proceeds going towards conservation efforts. Uh, prices are, they're, she says they're pretty affordable, from 5 to $20, that's Australian dollars. I don't know what I like that when I read is. this, I was like, I bet Katie picks this because there's an animal he in it. He sent it to me. I right? did send it to her. I don't know what the Australian... You know, prices are these days, but that sounds affordable, right? $5 Australian, sure. Uh, she also takes that's commissions. Like a million, um, that's like a million American dollars. It's the bill with the wallaby guys, She on also it. does commissions, so we could get a picture of Scout. What? Oh, we should do that. Can we, we get, get a picture Scout, of Scout as yes. George Washington crossing Potomac with other Scouts rowing the boat? You'll yes. have to get her as, she's Australian, right? Yeah. So you'll have to get Scout crossing like Alice Springs to get from one side of Australia to the there other. You go. Scout, do you want to be drawn? Wait, wait, wait. Scout Road Warrior. Scout Road Warrior. Yeah. Just I can't picture Mad Scout. Mad Scout. Like. All right, what's yours, Kyle? Uh, wait, I, oh, I want to You're say, not done. <laughs> her Etsy shop is called Scrizare Wild Art. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's S-K-R-A-Z-Z-A-R-E. And again, uh, that just... That word, Scrisare. <laughs> Am I saying that right? Scrisare? I don't live there. And wild art. And if you just search Etsy, you'll find it. All right, great. Okay. What do you got, Kyle? I got a website called geekrising.com. Their focus is uh, a mixture of actually like Mike and Gear reviews along with other nerdy stuff. I'm a big fan of, of te- the techie side of the nerd world and especially yes. audio stuff. And these guys have a really cool site. And then they also do an action movie book club as a show. That's uh, where they, they treat uh, action movies like a book club. And I like the idea that they're real soft spoken about it and somebody's doing needlepoint, but the needlepoint is like a fist. I think that would be a good time. Fantastic. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's geekrising.com, and those guys seem real cool, and I like what they're doing over there well, with their vlogs. Good job. And then also just letting everyone know that At Midnight's on at 11 o'clock for the next three weeks before Trevor Noah takes over The Daily Show, so we're filling in the, we're grouting the gap. So At Midnight is at 11. Don't think about it too much. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a lot of debate about whether we should say 10.59 or 59 seconds, or just it's 11 o'clock, and you know, I mean, look. Technically, at midnight starts at twelve oh one, but we I changed it to eleven fifty nine fifty nine seconds because you can't. Then I couldn't say it's twelve oh one. This happened today. You know what I mean? Oh, that's it sounds weird to say it's twelve oh one. This happened yesterday. That feels like old news to me. So, I, so we just we just. I always say, feel like you just established your day ends when you go to bed. I guess that, that's like fair. that's always. I feel like the people are like, "No, nah, it's tomorrow now." I'm like, "No, nah, you're still awake." So we don't really have that construct that anymore. Late so night like, we just say eleven, but I think we're just going to say ten fifty nine, fifty nine seconds just for fun because it's go. only it's only for three weeks. Here's the nurse podcast number seven twenty nine with Rob Hubel and Paul Shear, Katie, thing. <laughs> now entering nerdist.com. Oh, so much fun. So great. So much fun. I got the BB-8. I bought that uh, on Amazon, but it's not come yet. No. Did you get the... 
Target one or the Sphero one? The Sphero one. You got the Sphero one. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that better than the? Or what is? What's What's the difference? I should say. Well, there's uh, one. Uh, the Sphero one's much more expensive. Oh, okay. So I thought they were all that price. Okay. No, no, no. The Sphero one's much more expensive. Okay. The one that they made for Target is less expensive. Okay. And uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It works via a little remote control as opposed to oh the uh, iPhone the app. Yeah. Apparently, like one of them shoots out a hologram. Wow. That eventually. <laughs> like, I, like as the movie gets closer, it's gonna start to unlock things that the thing can do. Oh my god! You yeah. know that fucking when I when I just look at the BBA thing because I think JJ just thought of, like that was just yeah. his thing. Yeah, that's just how do you just? Fu- I mean, that's so amazing. You just what? create a whole new piece of Star Wars lore that everyone. Well, you know what it was is it was because I was at that celebration announcement that when they played the trailer that um, we're back or whatever the Han Solo trailer. Yeah. It was in one of the original Ralph McQuarrie art things, like print in the corner. And he's like, that. And they were like, well, we can't make that. There's no technology for that. And he's like, well, we should make that. And then they had to, like, basically create a technology to create that rotating thing. And they brought in this, like, big guy to come and design that, like, to make it practical. They Because you only wanted to do it practical. So it was, like, all this technology for this well, what's one. really what's really fun is that with the uh, uh, with the 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 one that I got at the Target Force Friday thing, it's a it's a ball that opens, it splits in half, uh-huh. and there's a basically a gyroscope inside, and the gyroscope has a magnet on it, and so when the ball's rolling, the little head is uh. is magnetized to the body, but not so strong that it falls off. So just I mean, not not it... so strong that the ball can't move, but it doesn't fall off. Oh, so wow. The, so the ball moves, and, the, and it's basically held in place by the gyroscope. That uh, Oh, that's really kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty rad. Toys. I love it. Rob Hubel's also here, apparently. Well, are we recording? <laughs> I didn't even know that. We're talking about... Well, you see, my big issue with BB-8, just before uh, we get, get away from it, is I hope it's good, because this could be... Not the movie... But BB-8, I hope we love BB-8. We already love BB-8, but we know nothing about BB-8. No, that's true. Like he could, like I, I said this on Twitter, he could be a racist robot. We don't know. <laughs> and now we have all collected this racist robot. We're wearing it around, and and people are going to. What be do upset. you think, BB-8? Abortions <laughs> are against God. Oh, why is this in a Star Wars? We hate Nemoidians. Nemoidians are the worst. <laughs> the worst I starship just, drivers. I just want to get fingered. <laughs> Like, just a, he's a little pervert. He's just like he just wants to get fingered. His little butthole just opens yeah. up. And mm, like, yeah, and the butthole toy. <laughs> oh no, Ray! Don't put that in your butthole. Uh, the force prevents me from uh, giving licenses <laughs> to same-sex couples. Do they? What? Maybe <laughs> I will go to jail for it. Shut me down. Mind this erase is me. What, this is what the, this is what the force <laughs> believes. When they're making that movie, is there any sense? Do you think of like? Like any sort of budget or time constraint at all? Like, is it like, oh, we really got to make our days, you know? Like, uh, or like oh, I we said, are, like, they it doesn't they matter. Got we just... a guy who was not in the movies to make the technology of BB-8. Yeah, like, I, I design think, that. I think they probably. I mean, they must. They have to have a schedule. I mean, that's just they just have to have a schedule of right. some sort. But, but they shut down for a month for Harrison Ford. That's true. And they rewrote and re-edited the movie during that time. Yeah, I do think. I do think though, it is kind of a you know, take your time, and yeah, do what yeah. you need to do. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like everyone was able to take a break for a month, and it didn't seem like that big of a deal. Right, right, right. right. Think of it like this: Fast Seven or Furious Seven, I should say, was one hundred and ninety million dollars to get that like out the door. Right. Like so, Star Wars. It's like. 
when you have that much money, like well, remember too when they were doing Hateful Eight, we were in Telluride, yeah. and uh, and they were there was this whole big thing about Hateful Eight where they just needed a ton of snow. Like they're in a yeah. cabin, and this year in Telluride, it just didn't snow. Like there was just no snow. <laughs> they weren't going to fake so, it, so they weren't going to fake it. So they were all there, and we were there doing some comedy shows, and they were all just hanging out, literally waiting, waiting for snow, waiting for snow. For like the a month, on they're just old. hanging out, like waiting for it to snow. Just in Telluride. Yeah. When, when we were shooting Hell Baby, uh, Quentin Tarantino was there shooting, uh, at that point, I think it was Django. And and it was, uh, yeah, it was Django. And, and in the middle of it, he said, all right, guys, good news. It's supposed to be the rap party. He's like, we're going for three more weeks. Like, so it's a sort of like, I think you extending. just go, yeah, you just do whatever. I, yeah, there are say. some people, well, especially with Quentin, though, because he's, well, he's an indie guy, so he can yeah. kind of pull his own strings at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I think you know, when you're working with a major studio, I'm sure I'm sure there aren't a lot of productions that could go to Disney and be like, "Yeah, we're shutting down for a month. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you going to mm-hmm. do?" But I feel like that's a Disney's MO is probably like, "We this is how we work best." Like Avengers notoriously starts without a script or like it's sort of like, "We got the idea. There'll right. be a Hulkbuster." And we'll kind of write it. We're going to write it. And there'll be things. Like, it's every time you look, like write anything with Joss Whedon, it's like, oh, yeah, I just wrote, rewrote the ending. It's like, wait, you're already, like, halfway through shooting. Like, they're just, I think, a lot of just like, yeah, yeah, we're going to call them on the fly, which maybe works. I well, I think, I think you have to – I would assume that as a filmmaker, you, you know – because you know you, when you – you can write something so meticulously, but then you start shooting it or it just starts unfolding yeah. and then you're like – Oh my God! You know, in in, in the theoretic theoretical creativity versus practical creativity, they're so they're different, and then you have to be flexible to go. Oh, you know what? I guess I, I, we were wrong. It's like you know. Well, yeah. that's why I yeah. think the Star Wars will be good because they had a month, and I, I did read that article where JJ was like, "We got to watch what we already shot, realize where there was problems, reshoot scenes that we didn't think worked, and then rewrite the movie." Like, so they were able to really course correct. And I think Woody Allen used to do that: like shoot a movie, go edit it, and then come back and finish it. They were so because when I did the the panel at Comic Con, we had a rehearsal the night before, uh-huh. and it was just this star studded cast of people who had made most of the movies that influenced me as a kid. So it was, uh, you know, Kathleen Kennedy was there, and Frank Marshall, and Amazing. you know, and then and then also JJ yeah. was there, and then Brian Burke, who's the other guy from Bad Robot, and and they were just the fucking coolest, nicest, funny. Like la- would laugh at jokes, would crack jokes, like that, like just really cool people. They said that they want to be there. Yeah, and having that experience made me want, made me so much more on board. Just knowing, like, you guys are fucking cool. You made all the cool stuff, and you. It turns out you're not dicks. Yeah. yeah. There was a cool clip online I just saw of like uh, all this behind the scenes stuff that uh, just of what they can release right now, and a lot of it is just the people on set on Star Wars just going yeah. like it's all the actors in the movie going I fucking can't believe it. this is so cool yeah like I Simon Pegg yeah, yeah yeah they're all just like I can't believe I'm doing this I mean I think that that's the energy that it seems like the the right energy to make something really good is like you know to be like oh we're excited not like oh whatever I'm over it well how yeah. do you you know it's like like in a way, I almost feel bad for Simon Pegg because what could he possibly? What do you do? After he was that, in the yeah. fucking Mission Impossible series, <laughs> Star Trek, yeah. Star Wars. 
It's Shaun the of the Dead. Like, what fucking else can this guy? I mean, like, how can he keep? You know, yeah. it's like they have to make new franchises for him to be in. They have like, to. <laughs> like, he's got to get. He's got to somehow get in Ghostbusters. He's going to be Slimer in the next Ghostbusters. But I mean, his his career is so amazing, and he's just in a stormtrooper costume, right? That's what they. I think it was released that he's just in a costume, right? I think he's just a trooper. Oh, not, is he just a trooper? He's not he, a. I think he just showed up for one day and is in it. But still, does he lift up the helmet and wink to, and the, wink camera. to the camera? Like, yeah. It's like slow. Great would that be to be a. a Stormtrooper, though, just for I mean, I've always wanted to do that in Star Trek. Like, put me in the Klingon costume. It'd be funny if you're like, I just want to be a stormtrooper in Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't outcross. Well, did you do that in Walking Dead? Someone was telling us, uh, don't people do that every now and then? Like, they're just like zombies in the background. They've started. um, They've started. They've. You went to training camp. I didn't. I didn't go to training camp. I did. They made me up for the first season of Talking Dead. I went through the makeup, and then Nicotero taught me how. It's actually. It's actually harder than you think it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. Because you have this idea in your head of how a zombie walks and you start doing it and yeah. you just look like a fucking moron. He's like, "No, you look like someone trying to look like, you know, you look yeah. like you look like a Corman movie." Yeah, yeah. And so uh there there is a real there is a real kind of an art to making it look real. But um I think they've started not doing that as much anymore cuz you know, Scotty and there are a few people that they made walkers, but right. I think they started getting worried. I think it with 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 Gimple, he was just worried that if you and it's the reason why I've always they you know they used to offer like oh you could be a zombie I and mean, yeah. you could be a walker and I'm like yeah but if people recognize the person it immediately sucks. takes yeah. them out of the yeah, the yeah. drama of the story yeah. and I don't you know I like people who hate me already accuse me of ruining Walking Dead and I'm not on the show <laughs> so I, I don't want to literally ruin it by right. being on it and then having you know I yeah, someone, I, I'm right. a fan I don't want to be the fan that ruins it for other fans to me I believe that if you could recognize a walker it wouldn't regardless of who it is you'd be like ah oh, bummer like, yeah, it's just goes, not as cool because I think they look so unrecognizable like I think they just look like people so I feel like yeah if the minute you see anybody I'm actually kind of surprised though because there are are little little molecular moments where they can th- th- throw a little bit of levity on Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, no. They never but just, that. you would think that it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like, oh, hey, that was the Channel 8 weatherman. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, like there yeah. would be walkers. I mean, it affected everyone. So right. naturally, people on so TV there would, would be, be great. It would be yeah. the best way <laughs> yeah. to see it. Is that Diddy? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there was a, someone would have been. Someone would have been in well, the four hundred four. And look, look fear the Walking Dead. There's a chance for a lot more Hollywood celebrities. <laughs> it's all celebrities. LA. Yeah. I mean, you could get a lot of people. Just yeah, anybody at all. That'd be great. Exclusively celebrity walkers. Yeah, it's just like they just start going. It's just like they get near the Soho house like on Sunset. <laughs> That's where it broke out. That's where it started. <laughs> like, like they had some sort of culinary class where they had brought some sort of weird uh, bacteria and it, start, it grew out of the Soho house. No, it was, some, it was probably some weird Gwyneth Paltrow probiotic <laughs> thing that started. Because Lydia was telling me that... Uh, they're moving the Hustler Club. I don't. I haven't confirmed this okay. with any research. She said they're moving the Hustler Club, and Gwyneth Paltrow is opening a members-only club in the place where the current Hustler Club is. This is true. Your publicist is saying this is true, and and, and it's. It, but she said that there's, and I don't know. This is third-party information, so I don't know if this is true. But just all these weird rules about like. 
you're not you won't be allowed to swear in it and you won't oh, like just wow. all these kind of strange it's like it's, it's like, just like okay but it's I going w- into the hustler building yes so the just hustler be, store is moving to another yeah. location to hollywood Boulevard. but it's going to be haunted with the ghosts of <laughs> dildos <laughs> like, and butt plugs like and, when we when the uc <laughs> when, when the ucb first opened over on uh one of the, the first oh, yeah, when they moved theater. yeah it was on uh 17th 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 it uh it used to be like an oh it was on 22nd yes, 22nd yeah old strip club in new york York. and so the harmony theater yeah and people would come in nonstop for years like just thinking it was a strip club walk into an improv show for about five minutes like (laughs) no this is not it and then awkwardly have to walk out but to me like a lot of times people would walk in and they'd take a seat and they'd wait for a show to begin like but they were sitting in ucb style seating i'm like yeah that was a that was a weird thing because that building was very much like haunted by the all these former customers like because it was a lot of like Hasidic Jews coming into the yes. comedy theater and they did not know that it was a comedy theater. Oh, they were oh, just wow. like waiting literally for these like condoms strippers. off off the floor and you yeah it was a gross Rit- place yeah what that's where the theater this is the very the first, first ucb theater yeah painted it was the a- walls like <laughs> literally painted the walls mopped out like yeah one remember- time we turned over a uh, like a table like this and on the bottom of the table it was just all this gum that the strippers like before they would go they would stick yeah. the gum under oh, the table and you just wow. a rainbow of like you know broken gum <laughs> yeah it was real real <laughs> gnarly place and it was and by the way lest you think that this is a nice place it was a disgusting you know, like I mean, even going to that strip club, it was like, un- it was just a weird spot. You would never think of it as a strip club. It was, it was really, it was uneven attractive as a strip club. It was an ugly down and out strip club. Yeah, yeah, yeah at, at, at its best. I, and I, and the, the funny thing is, is that I almost feel like in a lot of cases, <laughs> comedy is almost a little more revealing than stripping, yeah. especially <laughs> especially at UCB, where I feel you know it, it seems like. The mo was to put, you know, to push boundaries yes. and to and to, to 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 do things that you know other other places wouldn't. Well, would that? I mean, to me, that's why I feel like if you've sat in that audience for the first time and you're like, all right, I'm here to see a strip show, and then everyone comes out in white uh, painters' outfits and they're pretending that they're robots. They're like, oh, cool, all right, this is weird. <laughs> we used to show Robot TV where that's what it was, and like, and there's like a guy playing guitar, and you probably thought for like at least ten minutes, like, all right, when's when's the tits coming? Like, yeah, but. I know they're coming. This is a weirder. I went, did you ever place bets on on who was going to make it the longest through a show? Like, <laughs> someone wants to see tits so bad, yeah. That they'll sit through all this weird esoteric shit, hoping you like, just look out there and just see like old dicks coming out of people's pants. <laughs> You'd be like, "What is happening?" You would you would only notice it really because <laughs> people dicks. would get up at the wrong time. Like it wasn't like they weren't there long enough to not like the show. They were just there long enough to know it wasn't a strip club. That oh was wow! Like, and just get up and awkwardly shut. I didn't it. know. I mean, this is. I'm just being I guess I'm being religiously ignorant but I didn't know that Hasidim went to strip clubs that think, was this one I don't, yeah that particular. was just this one I think and it was maybe yeah maybe there's like an unwritten code where it's like and it was just they weren't like proudly like coming in they were kind of like sneaking in there you oh, know? Okay, but it yeah. was this this place the Harmony Theater did have a that was their primary clientele. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. It was yeah, Walsh really... lived above that theater. Remember, Matt yeah. Walsh lived above that theater, which was oh, such a weird place. Was... How long did it take before it started to catch on? Man, it took a while. I mean, for, for we always talk about this because we, for years, I mean, now, like, we're very lucky because we walk into UCB and there's, like, a crowd there and we didn't do anything to promote it. But, I mean, we, just, we used to have to, like, flyer on the street. We would go out, like, 
like in, you know, uh, uh, Union Square mm-hmm. and Washington Square Park and just hand out flyers for like hours. But we, but people wouldn't take our flyers. So we had to like find ways to make them take it. So we had like, to, like I do stunts to yeah. get people to take our flyers. We dressed our friend Owen Burke up as oh. Santa Claus and gave people <laughs> uh, wrapping paper tubes and said, Hit Santa for all the gifts that he's never given you. Yeah. And then they would, and then we'd give them a flyer to our show. Anything to get a flyer in their hand. <laughs> Another time we beat the shit out of Owen Burke. It's just all things <laughs> yeah. like hitting Owen Burke. Yeah. We would just do, we'd create scenes in the street yelling and stuff, like creating like anything to get the flyers up. Besser, Matt Besser, who's a founding member of UCB, taught us like, you got to get people in the seats. And we were doing five shows a week when we first started there, like, because it was a, a fully functioning theater that had. Not enough people to perform and every night to fill. And not good shows. Like I would say, to, you know, we got. <laughs> that was like our college performing yeah, yeah, yeah. experience. I mean, we, we literally learned comedy by failing, just failing night after night. I remember night, like, like one head writer of SNL, I think it was Jim Downey, not a head writer, but one of the classic uh, writers of SNL. Like, you, you know, uh, Jim Downey is a legend. And he saw one of our early shows. And after that show, he was like, I'm never coming back to UCB again. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. Like, I always remember that as like the. The premier comedy guy, like no, no, not. For but me. it was at the point where they, it was just a place that 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 had opened, and they just needed shows. So it was literally like, yeah, do you have an idea for an improv show? Put it up. Like, oh, do you want to do a sketch show? Write it and get it up. We did tomorrow, a sketch you know? show for one person. Wow, uh, and it was this guy Tom Blake. I remember Tom Blake sitting alone in the audience, dead center. We did a sketch show that was obviously bombing uh, because there's only one person. Yeah, but then one part of the show just became that we. Took a, a baby, put it on stage, put a masking tape on its head, like a black masking tape, and just ran around and said "Bellhop Baby" and just sang <laughs> "Bellhop Baby" until he left. Like, so that was that was uh, the kind of shows that we were doing at a certain point. Well, we did. We, it definitely was a luxury. I mean, to because now you don't have that. Like now, there's we, to take classes at UCB. There's like a line around the block. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be able to do it now. Like, but we had the luxury of just time and like like stage time. You know. And you could just figure out what works and what doesn't work. But a lot of it really was doing those sort of like fuck you shows where it's like, yeah. fuck you. But isn't like, that, isn't, don't you get nostalgic for that sometimes? Yeah, yeah for sure. The, I mean, now, you know, when you get older and your career starts working out, then you start weighing options. And like, well, I don't want to fuck this up. But at the time, you had nothing to lose. There no was one to zero let down. at stake. And no, no one knew Twitter. who you were. No, no one knew who you were. There no was one no... could write about a bad show. <laughs> yeah, there was no comments. Right. There yeah. was nothing. You were allowed to suck for a while. That's so valuable. And it just doesn't exist much anymore. And, yeah. you know, the UCB definitely cultivated this attitude of, like, fuck you. Like, we are better. Like, you know, like, and they were... They were they would do insane shows. I mean, they were known for doing shows in Chicago where they took their audience out of the theater and like had a suicide in the middle of the street, and like you know they were getting arrested in front of Wrigley Field. So they empowered us a lot of times to be like, do that, go go crazy, like figure out ways to engage the audience more than a normal show. Like they didn't want just a sketch show; they wanted something to be bigger and crazier and so they always are facilitating these crazy ideas but you're right that like you can't that doesn't exist anymore you know <laughs> no, because everyone's yeah. filming it everyone's tweeting it everyone's instagram and they will it, judge like, you based on one joke oh, yeah. well this yeah. whole thing sucks yeah oh, but yeah. you didn't even i just please yeah what is it? yeah you know? well you had that ability yeah you just had the ability to try and all the good old days <laughs> you're the good old days but it's like yeah I, I think there is i don't know i feel like that energy is gone from I mean, still, but the flip side yeah. of that is that someone can become huge now off a YouTube video. You know, like some kid in in Nebraska can make. You like, know, he can, but I think the thing the thing that that poor kid lacks is foundation and training mm-hmm. and 
So if he does, I mean, yeah, he can he can make he can make the YouTube videos, and that's an amazing place for you know not even YouTube, but just all social media now. I mean, like fucking Vine stars and Snapchat yeah. celebrities, yeah, yeah. and you know, there's they're basically just delivery systems for specific audiences. But there's something about having that foundation of of years of falling on your face and really cultivating, figuring out how to how to thrive in any environment. And I think sometimes, you know, if you if you're married to one platform, when you try to make a jump to another platform, you you ha- there, that, there's a learning curve. But yeah. You haven't done it yet, and you're not really allowed to fuck it up because everyone already knows who you are. So well, it, it's it's, it's the same a, way that right. you judge like a pilot. Uh, like you can't judge a series on its pilot. Like right. you know, it's like, well, I didn't like that first episode. Like very rarely is the the pilot episode of anything your favorite right. episode. Dramas, I think, sometimes have a little bit more leeway because I think it's like more like a cinematic. But comedy, it's like you you like part of it is like learning about the characters and finding all the nuances. But it's like we're so quick to kind of make that judgment. Like I don't like the pilot. This show's gonna suck. Speaking like, of that, like this is my favorite time of year. Like the first little chunk of September when all the new network shows come on because oh, yeah. like you because you just see the billboards around town and I just love. <laughs> Counting down the, the it's like, oh, this is gonna be out of there in two weeks. But, but like is you it know? even but is it even fair? Like I feel like there was a Heather Graham show that was on TV that was canceled by like the second commercial break. It was like you haven't even given people right. a chance to watch this thing yet. Like, no, we're done. Like like the audience has dropped out. I mean, yes, I think a lot of them are bad, but it's funny because it's also so much work goes into like for something to air on your TV this fall, it has had to go go through so many iterations and like so many decisions and so many people weighed in and and the poster was designed and everything and it all has failed yeah. like basically everything that has led up to this thing has failed because- a tremendous amount of it's a, it's it literally it would take you less time to <clears throat> to erect a, a building yeah and then if you spent that time erecting the building and then stood back and went Oh yeah, it's not work. Tear it down. You know, like it, yeah. it doesn't. It, it, there's no opportunity for it to, to but it's, grow. It's also like build. It's also like erecting a building with like a bunch of different people. It's like, hey, you're a construction worker. You come in here. Okay, you're a school teacher. You come in here. You're this. Like everyone who doesn't know anything. <laughs> you are someone's it. assistant. What do you think? <laughs> and everyone like looks at it and goes, Yeah, I would build a building like this. Like, but yeah, what about the architects? Like, let the architects build the building. It's like it's so many people weigh in on what they think is going to work and. It seems like it never does. It well, seems like, what, how many shows I started last? laughing, and, and I'm sure this is probably a great show, but just the poster made me laugh. It's some uh, one of these like medical dramas. I think it's oh, called like Code Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, with Marsha Gay Harden. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, but it's all these like it's the it's the most fascinating poster to me because it's all these like very like young, attractive nurses and doctors, and they're all like pushing, you know, the like a burned person down the hallway. They're, they're a sexy all, burned person. Yeah, very, sexy, very like, sexy. Who's in code blue. She's you know, in a Victoria's Secret model. They're, blue, they're blueing to the max, you know, like, so they're, <laughs> so they're pushing them down the hall. So, but it's all these like young, like, like in shape people. And then for some reason, Louis Guzman, I see it every time. Isn't there? like Louis Guzman's like kind of like stealing focus a little bit. He's like, Hey, where's everybody going? You know, like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. He's just yeah, like right yeah, in the yeah, corner yeah. of the, yeah. just to let you know that he's in there. Yeah. 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 My, hey, my fa- don't forget about me. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Cause I was, <laughs> and he's making the face too. Yeah, he's yeah. screaming. He's like, "Get out of the way!" It is, like I, when I did see that poster, I was like, "Who pitch it?" Like I would never occur to me to go pitch another emergency room drama nope. because I'd be like, "People well, love it. They've People already done this a million it. times." Lawyers, like, are- doctors, everyone loves those shows. To me, the one show that I love the poster for, and again, I have not seen it. And I guess it's very good. 
uh, is a show called Scorpion. Like Scorpion is like a, like a hacker. Like it's like um, oh, Rob, that's a Robert Patrick show. Yeah, yeah. Robert. Patrick, and like, apparently it's good, but it's like the post. Like, I love a good post. Portrait. Like, I think in Scorpion, like, someone's changing a light bulb. Someone's, like, at a desk. Like, someone's hacking. It's, like, it's too posed. It's, <laughs> you like... You the things we do. Yeah. <laughs> You're just hanging out. Yeah. It's hacking. Just, like, it's, hang- the, it's the best, like... A good poster trying to explain what a show is is there's uh, one with Wesley Snipes and oh, NBC that one's shows. That was a crazy premise. I, NBC shows. I, I went on their website yesterday, and again, great company. Love to work for you. <laughs> NBC Universal, totally available. Minions. Uh, <laughs> minions can't get enough. But yeah, but this show with Wesley Snipes called like The Player. Yeah. Do you know the premise? No. Of what that? is the? Okay. This is amazing because I'm blown away by this show as well. Wesley Snipes <laughs> is a <laughs> is a. Is this a how did I get? Are we about to do a mini how did this get made? Be. He's a Vegas gambler, and so he creates odds on. So all right, I'm Wesley Snipes, and and, and one of you guys are the runners. So I'll be like hundred to one. You can't save a man from a burning building. And then people will bet on whether or not that guy can save a man from a burning building. That's the point. Wait, I love that idea. That so, actually sounds great. It's crazy. So, like, so basically, Wesley Snipes creates scenarios and for real life betting. Oh my god! So it's like he's like, you can't save a person from a ma- you know from a hostage. Situation. But is he like a madman? Like, is he? Uh, I think he's facilitating high for high stakes gamers, yeah. super rich people. Yes. I saw the weirdest Wesley Snipes movie. The other night on the on Chiller, uh huh, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. Katie, could you pull up? Is that it was a weird post-apocalyptic western that had a supernatural element to it. Was this after Prison Release? I feel like it was. There's a show called Prison Release. Uh, a movie? <laughs> oh, the Gallo, the Gallo Walkers, Gallo Walkers. <laughs> Gallo I already Walkers. liked that a lot. It was the strangest. Lydia had fallen asleep, and I was just—I was just staring yeah. at the diet. Let's see. Uh, a, okay, here it is. The Gallo, Gallo Walkers, three point six out of ten from IMDb. Not bad, not bad. Uh, a cursed gunman, Snipes, whose victims come back from the dead, recruits a young warrior to help in the fight against a gang of zombies. Ooh, so love it, it feels—it sort of feels like Road Warrior. It's yeah. this kind of like waste, this Western wasteland, but yes. Yeah. The, I, I don't know if it's the future, but not the future. It's it's a really strange... It what, feels it, a little too complicated. It's like one plot element. Well, no, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to... And maybe we'll cut this out, if the, but just so you guys can see what I'm talking about. Yeah. We can look at it does look like um, a little bit like Book of Eli yeah. from the little pictures that I saw there. Let's see if this works. Um, put, put that shit in 720, man. <laughs> no, here it goes. There's a vampire. Oh, yeah, there's a zombie. We die, we come back, and you call us Yellow Walkers. You gonna give me some answers about those things? This will keep the undead at bay. The horseman of the apocalypse. It's kind of like Blade in the Old West. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Kill you for the first time. They know who I am. So now they will come. There's really nothing coming that we won't see. Well, you didn't see that. Get ready. Bring him in. Come on. 
got the one thing that a gunman needs to be great. No reason to live. Mm. Hey, come on. I don't know how to be dead. No one taught you how to live. Oh, oh I love trailer. it. I like the trailer. looks good. I'm in. But I feel like it is like trying to capture like, it, it is like a blade, bit of blade. The, yeah. You know, you said something that made me think of something that I've always been fascinated by. I drove up to San Francisco one time and stopped at the Winchester Mystery House. Yes. And that woman, uh, she was married to the guy who created the Winchester gun. Yes. And she believed that every person that the gun had killed was coming to haunt her. And built the house in a crazy way, like stairs into a wall, doors to confuse the ghosts. It. Exactly, that's and the it, reason for the mystery. And house? it always, yeah, and yes. there always had to be construction going on. So there was always something. There were parts wow. of the house that they just never went in because it was just construction for construction. But so sake. that's just mental illness. It's just like a, <laughs> a little bit. But I still love that idea that like she was. I love that idea of the. I, it's such a great idea. The ghosts. Of the gun that you created. Are it's coming a gun. back, yeah. Yeah, it's a great myth. I mean, look, that's if you're going to have mental illness, that's a good one to create. But also yeah. that this there's just a bunch of confused ghosts like, well, I'm going to... Oh, it's a wall. <laughs> I'm going to... Oh, there's not even a door way, here. Come on! Why would it stop the ghost from going through the wall? Like, they <laughs> yes, could go... He's like, ah. Hey, you know, it was the Old West. They weren't smart ghosts. They weren't <laughs> they that smart. They have to, smart. like, obey the laws of physics that we've created. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, go down yeah, not, this. not the fact that they can levitate and... Also, also, also... How 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 are the ghosts? It's not it's not like there's Google Maps. Like how are the ghosts gonna track down this house in in Northern California? <laughs> I was killed in uh, Colorado, but I just I feel like I'm gonna go. West. I think it was a Winchester. I'm not sure I'm it was not, a Winchester. I didn't really get a good look at it. I, was it Smith and Wesson? Like oh, you're a Smith and Wesson ghost. Get out of here. Oh okay, I'm gonna go. Oh, does she live in the house? She, she did. did. Yeah. Wow. And she would move her bedroom around a lot. Yeah, so, so it was constantly, her. and and there was basically a compound because there were this, like the construction workers and the contractors lived. They lived on the property because there was never not construction going, going on. on. It sounds like she I, just had a very convincing contract. I, I, <laughs> you know what you got to do? You got to just build another hallway. Listen, you know, we, you know we're going to finish up next week. So if you want ghosts, that's fine. <laughs> if you're cool with ghosts, that's I'm, cool. I don't with know. Me. They're probably a little upset. The There's Winchester gun is getting people. very popular. It's killing a lot ever, of people. Did she ever see a ghost, or was it like no? Know. Because the house was foolproof. <laughs> it was a yeah. It was a ghost maze. It was a very successful. Basically, uh, she's treating ghosts like we play Minesweeper. Like, all right, I think it's in this area. Oh yeah, all right, no. <laughs> so like, so such weird. a weird premise. <laughs> it's such a weird premise. I know what I'll do. It's almost, it almost sounds like a Lucy scheme to so the ghosts. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, we'll just keep building. Why don't you put a door against this wall? Really? Yes, they will totally freak out the ghosts. They, they won't know what's going on. Eventually, she wouldn't be able to go anywhere outside of her bedroom because there'd just be so many ghosts. Dude, then it turns out she's the ghost. <laughs> what? what? She kept herself locked up all it's along. It's like the others, but in the <laughs> Old West. You know, we probably could have pitched that. Oh, believe I'm, me. I'm actually surprised there's not a movie based around the Winchester Mystery House. Like there, It should be. I mean, look, put Wesley Snipes in it. I'll go see it. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing as the Mystery Spot? No. No. Okay. Mystery spots are different. There's the that's like a vortex. Where that's like some weird magnet, magnetic vortex of okay. of something else, but it's not. Uh, Sound it's not goes the on there too. Or the, something. the Winchester Mystery House is just a is just a maze to fuck with ghosts. Man, yeah, yeah ghosts hate show. it. They really <laughs> hate drive it. them nuts. They're like <laughs> they don't like it at all. Like oh, I don't want to go to that Winchester Mystery House. Do ghosts know other ghosts? Like do you? Hey, there's Steve. <laughs> 
Where are you going down the wrong hallway, Steve? We're going, everybody's going this way. It depends. I guess like, do they have like a, a now, ghostly you're new, apartment? But I've been around since the Renaissance, and so I'm gonna. Yeah, gonna ghosts go are always from the same time period too. It's always like you know cowboy times. You know, it's yeah. never like yeah. it's never like the ghost from like last week that got hit by a bus. Yeah, you, know? you never like you're never haunted by a week old ghost. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no. That I that was a, I did that. Uh, that was a bit in my old special. Was, there's there's no new ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> there's no that like there's and so I my theory was that there was some like you know there was some type of uh, Beetlejuice style bureaucracy that you know it's like you, it, before you become a ghost the, there's yeah. like a, you have to get your yeah like you get your angels wings but you have to get your ghost uh, your ghost haunts or something like that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like and now like like when we're old there'll be just like people running around with like Oculus Rift headsets yeah oh, it's one of those early two thousand ghosts stupid <laughs> yeah it's uh it, I think I think a Winchester movie would be fucking amazing because it is the house is fascinating Man. and she was a little woman who built low rise stairs everywhere so rather than having like a normal stairway, yeah. there were these long, like um, almost uh, like handicap like, ramps, like, like more like yeah. smaller steps, with, with like doggy much, stairs, like those little doggy stairs, kind of, so yeah. that your dog can run up on the bed. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't like that doggy idea. I went to a, when uh, I was looking at a house one time to rent, and it was, uh, and and that's how they showed up the bedroom with a doggy. A doggy uh, stairwell. This is bed. where my dog fucks me. Ugh, I don't like it. If your dog can't get up on the bed, the dog doesn't belong on the bed. How about that? Like, let's have, let's give the dog some dignity in his life. All right, we don't have to cater to him to get up on the bed. How badly do you want that dog in your bed? It's also the same house that had lips for a urinal. It always <laughs> what? Me out. What? What are you talking it was about? Like big red was lips. Like Airbnb. It like, was, like, was, like, was some place up in the Hollywood Hills. My, my wife and I were walking. We were like, let's go to this open house. And we walked inside. It was lips. To her urinal, and that's oh. what you peed in. And I remember, oh, I love to pee in this mouth. <laughs> Open up your mouth, let me well, pee. My in. dog, look at this dog stories. My dog can fuck me while I pee into this mouth. By the way, again, a urinal in a house is not a thing I want either. I don't want a urinal, and, and much less I, with lips. Ugh. And then I looked at his like family pictures. Like, oh. When were you going to rent this house? We were just looking around, like we were just walking around, like let's let's do this open house. Like, oh, we just, oh, it wasn't oh, like, like we had seen house. pictures, yeah. <laughs> and um, we and then we like we uh, I was looking at his family pictures, and then I noticed behind all the family pictures, it was just porn, just rows and rows of DVD porn. And I was like, oh, like take that out, like you're showing your house, like how do you do that, like or just the right person's gonna want to go. This is the place, yeah, for bro. Me. me too. I like porn too. Ooh, bro, <laughs> everything everything I felt like only had a on residue. DVDs. I don't watch the internet <laughs> bullshit. Can't you off into those toilet lips? <laughs> everything yeah. had a residue of like cocaine or like crushed uh, like crushed up ecstasy or something like that. Oh, there that's... must be a lot of houses like that uh, around Hollywood, just like kind of from a, a different era. You know, just like eighties Laurel do, Canyon. Do you remember all Laurel Canyon? Oh, really? Do you remember? We went to a house one time when we were doing MTV, like the head of MTV. Uh, brought us over to his house. Love the guy, an amazing guy. But he was like, "Yeah, my house was the house in Body Heat where uh, they they sodomized that guy with the police stick." And it was like it was his like a glass house, but that was his house. oh wow claim to fame as like his bedroom was the bedroom like where like during this famous sodomy scene from. So he just body watches heat. Body Heat in have that ever, bedroom. <laughs> have you ever been to that house? Um, remember we went to that house. Um, when uh, uh, it's the, it's like Charlie Chaplin's mansion up there, where all those bands have recorded, like oh, the, like, yeah, the, yeah. like, the, like I think the Beatles recorded in this. There's mansion. like a bus out front, and it's totally haunted. Like all these bands, Chili like, Peppers re- recorded yeah, there, yeah, yeah. and like but all like Corn and like all these bands. Oh, is that the there. one that's on Laurel? That's on Laurel Canyon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. there's like a weird. 
There's probably like a tunnel that goes from the street yeah, like up yeah, to the up yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. I know when we were there, it was it was James from LCD Sound. Right, yeah, he was, was doing it down. Yeah. So we, he had like a barbecue. So we went up there, and he was like, "Oh, this place is totally haunted." Like, and everyone says like it's totally haunted. Oh wow! But um, yeah, no, is it, is it or is it just that a lot of people that record there are on super high? A well, lot that's of drugs. a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, he told that they didn't they didn't put a lot of doorways to t- walls, and that's they what they needed. They needed more. They needed a windshed. They needed a mystery house. Weird hallways. He he told the great story. I think it was like. Because he was recording with Rick Ross, a producer, I believe, and he was like, it was at the height of Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin, right? It was at the height of like, like having what we have now is like you can access any song you want, but like this time it was like maybe like ten years ago, so or a little bit less than ten years ago, where it was that technology was getting there but wasn't there, and like Rick Rubin was like, name any song in the world, I I can pull it up right now. Yeah, and he's like, all right. Uh, and he named the song, and Rick Rubin typed it in. It's like, uh, all right, name, name another song. <laughs> he's like, I typed it in. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, name another song. <laughs> like, he was so proud of this amazing device that had every song, and it just was not, not uh, working. Happy, like, birthday. Yeah, happy, happy birthday. Happy, yeah, we got happy birthday. <laughs> then he was like, he finally was like, name one of your songs. One of your songs, your favorite song. And he named it. It didn't happen. He said, like, five times. All right, get out. Hour. Everyone out. I want everyone you know out. What? This machine's broken. <laughs> Maybe it's maybe it's all the ghosts of people whose lives were ruined by glam metal now haunt <laughs> that house. So like uh, all the all the people who like yeah. There like, must be though. I'm fascinated by that sort of like the like the weird old houses around Hollywood. Have you ever been to the um, that murder house? There, oh, a, my friend lives across the street from that. Really? The Which murder house? There. The Los there's murder there's house? so many murder. Oh houses wait. Where they got the... killed on Christmas Day and they just left the house. Yeah. And it's still to this day there are gifts on the ground like yeah. it's. Crazy. Supposedly the neighbors don't want you to come around there, but you can go up and you can look in the house and you can see like all these unwrapped Christmas presents and stuff. If like you this. type in Los Feliz Murder House to Google, you will see it. And yeah. It's creepy. Like the and the husband killed himself in a really violent way. Like he drank acid after like killing his wife and he kids. killed them like with an axe or something. Yeah. Like, we're, these are all like, morning or God. something. Yeah. And yeah. the, so they left all the bodies in there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. all the bodies are still there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like the bodies exhibit. <laughs> They're all posed <laughs> at Christmas morning. <laughs> that's, that's so fucking creepy, though. Yeah. yeah, that's so just the remnants of horror. And what, the, what's the, the deal? They, they didn't. They I think just, there's an issue with who owns it yeah. and what they someone, want to do someone, with it. Yeah, I think someone bought the house and then just never did anything with it. Like never even and like uses it for storage. Yeah. yeah, like they literally just like store stuff in there. And uh, so, yeah, it's just some weird real estate thing. I remember that when we, my friends bought their house across the street. It was like, you live across from the Los Feliz murder house. I'm like, what? And then they, and now <laughs> they're find like that out freaked later. out. Yeah, because like, it literally is diagonal from their house. Oh, you would just look out and just see like a face move back from the curtain in the house. <laughs> yeah. We watch, I mean, we, I watch so many fucking horror movies yeah. that I am desensitized to it, but also at the same time... Addicted to jump scares. A, a, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. So that it, it does... I, I, I would... I mean, like, I, I would obviously would think, like, oh, well, there's not... And we watch, We also watch a ton of Destination America, which has just become the ghost channel. It's one of Discovery's smaller channels. Okay. And I don't know what the original... I don't know if it's supposed to be a travel channel or what, but what they ultimately discovered is that... Ghosts are ghosts. ratings, yeah. It's yeah. ghosts. So it's all... It's like paranormal survivor and a haunting and all these and they're and they're doing a fucking um they're doing a live exorcism on halloween they're uh, fucking doing an exorcism a on live exorcism yes, i brought dude i halloween. love all this stuff and sheer yeah tell him for his bachelor party i hired ghost hunters to come 
to our we rented a house in Ojai and we hired the Ojai Paranormal Investigators. Oh lovely it's people. Lovely people. Uh, it's a mother and son and next door neighbor team. And they came to do readings in the house and they sent us audio tapes of us being there with some they, they were very thorough Rob they came Hubel, in I'm with, going to murder you Rob yeah. dude the, here's the funny thing it's my bachelor party so you know people are like drinking it was like loud and and you know I'm sure people were on like mushrooms and stuff and then these people come in like trying to do a serious like paranormal investigation yeah. with all of our comedian friends like kind oh, of no. kind yeah. of not taking it seriously Drunk comedian you know? friends. yeah yeah, yeah. but, but then, they we they quieted down cuz they, they took the room over they but, were but yeah. when they followed up with us like it took several weeks and they went and they they listened to all of the recording cuz they gave everyone like a a recorder okay? okay so we're all walking around and they they gave everyone like EVP uh-huh. yeah, like, yeah so everyone's walking around and uh, so weeks later, they came back to us and they had listened to everyone's recordings and they came in and presented to me and Sheer like all of their evidence and a lot of their evidence. It was sort of heartbreaking for us because they'd be like, OK, go to the next clip, Barbara. And it would be like, do you hear this? And you'd hear like Rob Riggle, you know, like in the kitchen, like, yo, someone give me a fucking beer, you dumbasses. And they'd be like, did you hear that? <laughs> Someone get me a beer, you dumbass. And we'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. That's our I, drunk friend, Rob Riggle. Who, and they'd be like, okay, okay, go to the next one. Go to the next one. You know, and the next one would be like, you know, Brian Husky. You know, I'm out here in the hot tub. Someone br- throw me a towel. And they'd be like, what did you think? Number one, that? you have ghosts. Number two, they love to party. <laughs> they love, love they're partying ghosts. They love to party. Well, they said the thing that I really loved about ghosts, which was you are followed by your own ghosts. Like you don't like if you go into a house, you're not getting their ghosts. Your ghosts are coming with you. Is that true? I didn't yeah. I missed that part. Yeah, you're, oh, not, yeah. you're not getting their ghosts. You're not getting their ghosts. You're getting your own ghosts. You can't get own... away from your own ghosts? No, your own ghosts are with you. Oh boy. So like your ha- like a haunted like house. Like in my is car? Only or do, how do they get to where I'm going? Oh my god, my ghosts have seen me jerk off so many times. Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm sorry, ghosts. Stop jerking. Ooh. <laughs> like the ghost of the that's the worst part of the afterlife is just like oh shit again again Everyone, uh-huh. everyone's jerking off all the time these poor ghosts <laughs> finally I can give him a message oh nope he's gonna jerk if off I have to, all right. if, so, I have, if I have to watch this guitar tech get butt fucked by his dog next to the tiny <laughs> stairway one more time I'm gonna, I can't even kill I can't kill myself again well what is the on that channel that you watch on Destination America like what are the differences in the ghost shows like there can only be so many what is really amazing about Paranormal Survivors is that <clears throat> wait? What is that? Wait, paranormal the, survivors. The paranormal wait. survivors is like it's like ghost story adjacent. And as a, as someone who produces television, it's fun to watch because I am because I because you watch them stretch nothing into an entire dramatic episode. They, the show must cost a hundred dollars to make, but it yeah. would literally be the like you could make a paranormal survivor if you. Went one morning, like when you're leaving for work, and you're like, "Oh, I thought my keys were here." And then, uh, and you found them in the kitchen. Oh, I guess they're in the kitchen. Yeah, they would build a whole fucking episode around. And then the keys weren't where they normally were, and they make all these logic leaps. Like if there was, you know, they'll find someone died in the area, and they're like, "So this is definitely the ghost of." And it just they go from your keys missing to this is definitely the ghost of an old guy uh, who lived down the. Yeah. Well, I will tell you. I will tell you this. And the reenactments are fucking. Oh, I love a good reenactment. Um, like the, bad good? So bad good. Yeah. I mean, like watching the disparity between what the people look like and who they cast to play them. 
it's, it's so it, that that's the most fun part. I of the love show. I love a good reenactment. There was like a crime show that used to do reenactments all the time when I was a kid, and it was like uh, it was like a real cheese unsolved ball. mysteries. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah like, I love that. Yeah. Like I will say that I want to believe, just like Fox Mulder, but I, I will say <laughs> that. Uh, but he's aliens. I'm more ghosts. Um, my friend, the non-believer of ghosts, he went. He was a producer on one of these shows, and he did it all the time. And he was the same thing. He was like, you know what? It does, it's not – he's like, you know, it's like a lot of these EVP readings. It's a lot of these voices. He's like – and I've heard voices. I've heard them. He's like, but come, it's probably a radio frequency. Like he had very clean, clear things. He goes, the only time I've ever seen anything that I couldn't pin down was we're in this museum because people would tell him, like, we have a ghost story. You have to come to our place. It was in this museum, and he was setting up the, the night shoot. Or it was going to be a night shoot, and he was setting it up. And he had closed the door from the outside, put up a, a black tarp, taped it all the way down, and then locked the door and then put up a black tarp on the inside so it looked like it was night when they were shooting during the day. So, so both sides. He had done the entire thing. Went into the kitchen to do the next start. Came back in. Both the black tarps were undone, and the uh, and the door was unlocked and opened. And there was no one. He's like, there was no one else there. What about the wind? There. But couldn't unlock a door. The wind. Wind's pretty strong. All right, maybe the wind. <laughs> yeah, this guy's a liar. <laughs> the, so did he believe from he then? Be- on? He goes. He didn't believe from then on. He goes, but that was to me the like that. He goes, it was an unexplained occurrence that I was. The, I guess I was the only one there. And it was gone for less than four minutes. I just think a lot of, especially on these shows, people make a lot of, they go from A to Q. Yes. Without, because yeah. there was, we were, there was an episode of a show a couple days ago, and it was all about how this kid had an imaginary friend, and the imaginary friend the family believed was a demon uh, that was making the kid act up. But when you see the reenactment, you hear the stories, you're like, no, this kid was deeply psychologically yeah. troubled, and you know. But that, that demon friend is—I've seen that premise done on a few of these shows. It's like, oh yeah, they're possessed, but they're not possessed. They're just like kids with behavioral problems. They have behavioral problems, but it's it. But it's it's hard for. I really kind of want to understand the logic behind someone who goes and sits in a chair and is being interviewed and says, "Yeah, I definitely saw toys floating in the air. I 100% saw toys floating." And it's like, and no one has. There's and no one has any footage of this as much as people fucking record yeah. every I know. completely just orbs just un- orbs. mundane inane thing and, well, that's and, the thing, and there's like, no fucking but yeah. I I want I would love to believe too I just for purely fun reasons but I feel like we we we've got to like this year we got to get we got to get of in a on ghost, that and we got to get like Bigfoot too we got to fucking catch Bigfoot and we got to get like like all this shit. Like if everyone's filming everything all the time. Why can't we? we it would have been and- found. I guess you're right. It would have been found. Although I do believe that maybe, maybe aliens. I don't know. Why not? Why not? I feel like until the door has been totally closed. Yeah, so- I think there's aliens. I think that we just won't ever in our time span. It wouldn't make sense geographically that something could tra- like come all the way across. You know, uh, just geographically to me, that doesn't make sense that like something could find us and that it would be like this benevolent to like, yeah, mm, like, you know, close encounters like we're just like you. I had always and, thought I always thought that the weird bald humanoids were future us. Well, that's Ooh, that's a theory, that. I think. I think that is a theory that it is like future us. That like is alternate a, plane of reality kind of thing. No, yeah. no, like future, like in like a highly evolved version. Oh, of, OK, got it. I mean, because, you know, the, the, the little bald, tiny humanoids with the big eyes. 
you would evolve that way if you're staring at a computer for generations right. and right. generations. You wouldn't need hair anymore. Your eyes would get really big and really sensitive to light. Ooh, yeah. I like that. You would you have know? giant fingers so, for typing. But are they, but are and, they coming yeah. back from the future to warn us, or are they just... That's. I think that's part of the. Yeah, one alien yeah. comes back in the future, and he accidentally prevents his mom and dad from falling in love, <laughs> and so he and his mom falls in love with him, so, and that's really going to create a lot of problems. Yeah, and then yeah, there's yeah. like a bully alien. <laughs> Hardwick, do you know about um, simulation theory? Like, yes, yes, like, simulation theory is amazing. Okay, can you lay that out a little bit? Like I'm I, confused because I've heard very drunk people tell me this, and I never. And then well, I, I think the, the idea. I mean, I stop me when I go off the rails here, but like the idea is that that what we are experiencing. Experiencing is a simulation, and uh, and but uh, but it's you know some some uh, a higher version of us has created the simulation, much the way that we have now created simulation games and stuff like right. that. That at some point uh, 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 we have now um, like I don't understand where where actual human e- existence and experience. Fell that up. we're a layer of yeah yeah I, I mean again I'm as I'm not a scientist I'm not I'm, I I I have a basic understanding of what the region that they're talking yeah. about but I think that there is some there is there is some theory there is some math I believe that suggests that it's a possibility that that this this type of a universe is po- is possible yeah. without flat out saying like we're a simulation i think it's more the suggestion like an that echo or something that like- it is possible that we you know that if you look at what it would take you know the 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 computation to create a, a simulation that would be our reality is that it's not impossible that that could be. Well, I even saw a clip with like Neil deGrasse Tyson like talking to all these physicists and stuff, and uh, and they, at one point they kind of go down that road, and and there's one guy that's like, yeah, the more we look at the structure of the universe and like the math of how things are, it is it basically boils down to like ones and zeros, and like it's basically the matrix. Right. Like this guy wow. pretty much says that, and they're like, so. so Somebody right now is playing us. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. a simulation. Yeah. We're running on some program. We're like we're like mining, like you know, in those we're games. We're collecting, like, collecting ore candy and do podcast. Yeah. All right, five points. Like you know, like yeah. there's, like, there's yeah. uh, somebody collecting points on us. Go to work. One point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be. Uh, I kind of wonder what would happen if everyone discovered. Oh yeah, we're. Just... Yeah. I mean, if. It's it's one of those things where I would get one of those. The first thing I do, I'd get one of those urinals. It looks like a mouth. <laughs> no, I would just fuck dogs. Yeah. I fuck a lot of dogs because <laughs> it's just simulation. You know? It's not real. It's like the goat simulator. You know, yeah. it's just like, it's like the goat simulator. Yeah, I mean, if you know, if we were if we were programmed enough to follow certain rules and our reality followed certain rules, then yeah, there's no. I, I feel I feel like it's a completely plausible. But I then, mean, why like, hasn't someone upgraded yet? Like, you know, why hasn't there been one person who has, like, become, like, the Neo or forget Neo, like, even, like, a Superman? Like, you know, why, like, isn't there somebody, like, they in the simulation, like, they figured out, like, how to upgrade their own body to do something? Well, really if you were, if you were running, you know, if you were, if you were running a simulation or computer and you just yeah. set it and let it run for a while, right? I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what would have to happen for that to all of a sudden become self aware and start uh, evolving, okay. evolving. Oh, so itself. we're on a computer? Like we're like, ultimately, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, so we're just like, we're just a program that's running. Do you know what I love about that theory is that when you think about how uh, unfathomable the concept of the universe is, yeah. at least that to me kind of explains it in a way where I go, okay, well, it's. 
because the universe seems so impossible to me like w- w- just the distances of the universe and the and the numbers and it's you know yeah. uh, that that uh, 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 we have a medium sized star but other galaxies have a larger star that could fit millions of our si- I mean like when you start thinking about the scope yeah cuz i think a lot of times i you know when you think about when you think about space and the solar system you you sort of think you sort of think laterally where you go, it's us, and then, and then, and then you know, and then... Uh, you just build out just a little bit, I feel like. Right? Yeah, you yeah. just, just got to kind of go out to the edge of Pluto. Yeah. You know, but, but you don't necessarily think in terms of, I'm going out this way, and this way, and this way, and, this, like, expanding outward, and just how vast, and... We're it's, all at, we're all in the locker in Forty Second Street, just like Men in Black. Men in, Men in Black. <laughs> oh, Men in Black, so good. <laughs> it's so well, good. also to the idea that I mean, I'm I'm bringing up things that I don't have the brain power to back up, but like the idea that time uh, is that that time the the const the construct of time would remain constant. You know that that time would always just be just marching forward. You know, like right. when you talk about that, like expanding in every direction of the universe and like other universes and parallel universes, like, well, couldn't time go in different directions and couldn't time go, you know, sideways. And like, I, I mean, this is uh, sort of related, but like I heard someone talking about that the universe is so vast that not only is there other life out there, but there like, there's just, you know, cause we keep discovering other universes and like, it's just like getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So there are not other like planets that are just like ours that could have life there are zillions and like infinite numbers of planets where there would be life just like us to the point where there is not just another paul shear there's like a billion paul like there's an infinite Sweet. number of paul shears my army's finally complete <laughs> <laughs> there are there are, there is enough space out there that there, there there are an infinite number of paul shears who have already played out every possible uh, possibility for you. For you so there's through. one that's on the best career trajectory. That's right. There's one that's on the worst career That's right. Trajectory. There's like rock star Paul Shear, and then there's like, wow. you know, homeless guy that eats like, you know, dirt Paul Shear. Yeah, I'm sure he's pretty happy. Maybe the universe is a large galactic Min- Winchester mystery house. <laughs> <laughs> We're not supposed to. have to figure it out. Yeah, yeah we, 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 we just totally confused. We, we can't figure it out because it's just like... And Neil deGrasse Tyson is like sent there to confuse us. Maybe like... Maybe like <laughs> oh, wait, hey. Oh, he's working with them. Yeah, he's no. working. He's oh, on, of course. He's been sent here to... He's to be our most logical ambassador, but at the same time, keep it a little bit more mysterious. Like, here's a door. Don't let him get too close. Yeah. <laughs> let him feel like you're telling him stuff, but... Yeah, show him a stairwell, but then it leads to a wall. So yeah, we'd never fine. be able to... When you think about like how you, if if someone somehow found video proof, like, well, okay, here's here's Jesus Christ, and he's saying a bunch of stuff, and it's antithetical to what you thought this book was saying. No one would believe it. Like if you said that's what crazy people are dismissed, like, yeah, quickly, you know, yeah. yeah. If you, but if you found proof of the universe, like actual proof of the universe. This is actually what it is. Most people will be like, no, it's not. Yeah, I think that the there's a fine line between uh, a genius, you know, uh, person that can solve all this and a crazy person. And I think that you can actually go crazy thinking about this stuff too. You know, because like, well, there's why... no answer, right? There's no way to, there's no way to know, right? There is an answer, but I, I just but there's don't no way know. to prove it. I, I don't right? know if there's a way. I don't know if there's a way for our brains to understand it. I feel mm-hmm. like there are. There are things at play in the universe that we are literally not evolved to understand. It's sort of like that. Absolutely. There's sort of like um, in Defending Your Life when mm-hmm. Rip Torn, where Albert Brooks goes, where were you? And he was like, you wouldn't understand. I- I'm not trying to 
I'm not talking down. You wouldn't understand. He was like, try me. I was trapped near the inner circle of fault. I don't know. what the, I don't get it. Yeah, I know. You know, like I feel like there is there. Are yeah, some, yeah. There are things about the universe that we don't even have the mental tools to begin to comprehend. Yeah. I wonder what is evolving faster for us, like our bodies or our minds. Like, are are are, are there parts of our brains that are I don't evolving? Know our, I don't know if our brains are evolving that much anymore. I think our I think. And I'm sure an evolutionary biologist can t- totally shame me on the thread here, but I believe that our brains, in you know, in relation to our body size, our brain size cases, I think we're not. I think our brains aren't really evolving. Why well, don't even mean in terms of like size, like like? But aren't there aren't there parts of our brain that are becoming more defined and like stronger? Like uh, it seems like there would have to be. Our I think we're to getting Instagram weaker in front of a <laughs> like, vista. Yeah, but I think we're, we're getting devolving. weaker. Like there, I feel like I uh, read and listen to all these things about how our generation is, or not our generation, but the generation actually younger than us is losing creativity. Like this whole idea of like the Lego playset is probably one of the worst things for children because. It's really cool to build something neat, you know, if you want to build a Back to the Future DeLorean, an Ecto-1, whatever, but you're taking away all the imagination because it's like, no, this is the only way to do it. Here are the pieces and this is how you finish the project. And so everything is becoming like that. Uh, even like, you know, things like Blue you're talking about You're talking about sort of the, the play sets that are like preset Legos that as opposed to you the... Build, you build yeah. one thing, but that's what's selling. That's yeah. what people do. Like even like Blue Apron is a thing where it's like, get a meal. We're going to send you the exact ingredients and you're going to make the thing. It's like people... Oh, so much easier though. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it does. It's great. But I think that that's it. And they're probably they're, a sponsor of this podcast uh, too. <laughs> they're no, but they could be. They're, they, they're great. They're amazing. Uh, but but that whole idea, like our creativity is going lower and lower because what you would want kids to do is have a tub of Legos and build whatever they I will, want. I will say that uh, our smartphones have completely eliminated the need to retain any information. Like we basically have external hard drives and interact yes. everything and, and interact socially. You know, there is no more like uh, I walk up to a girl. I'm married, so I would never do wow. this. <laughs> That's my wife not is what I heard. But, you know, you, like when I was in college, <laughs> you know, you had to like walk up to someone and go, "Hey, I'm so and so," and you had to be interesting or funny or whatever and ask them out on. But you don't do that anymore. Like there is no. More more uh, social in the old days you had to draw a picture of your dick and <laughs> yeah. hand it to someone <laughs> this is what my dick looks like and, uh, anyway but uh, but yeah but I I, I I wonder about that too like the social ramifications well, even, of all that stuff. I even think like the idea of telling a story like when I was a kid we had a lot of pictures but right now when I look back at those pictures I don't have like 55 pictures from one event. I probably have like 20. And then you fill in the gaps with how you remember it and stuff like this. Here, everything, I mean, I know I'm not saying anything revolutionary, but it's so well documented that you don't even have to use that part of your your brain because it's like, oh, no, no, I have a but picture. It, but if all of this is hampering the evolution of our brains, then why weren't like, uh, you know, early settlers like the most genius people ever, you know? like Well, I think they, you know, they... They lacked the ability to connect with anyone kind of outside their own little circle. Yeah. So it's not like a lot of new information was coming in. It was a right. very, it was a very vertical. You know, their knowledge was very vertically passed down. Mm-hmm. By the way, they built houses, got fire, and they made meals. <laughs> I mean, they did a good job. They, they, you know, they, they, you know, they had to have a bunch of kids. Yeah. A couple of them would survive out of they, ten. You know, and then they planted then a farm, died of tuberculosis at the age of twenty-seven. It was yeah. great. <laughs> you were on the Oregon Trail. You died of dysentery. And that was that. <laughs> but, uh, but, it, but I, but I think that. Uh, now I, I've always thought since the since the beginning of the computer era, I've always believed that mankind is unconsciously creating the tools to evolve itself. 
So because we don't evolve, because you know we're not evolving fast enough in nature, yeah. uh, or because the clay God molded us out yeah, of didn't leave yeah. enough room for new stuff, <laughs> that we're creating the um, that we're creating the means to evolve. So that would either mean some type of an integrated. You know, if you if you're kind of going in the Kurzweil direction, or some type of integrated technology, integrated in humanity, or or we are building the thing that will replace us. You know, if you're if or we all get nanobots, yeah, get nanobots and ready to go. I mean, we all become like robots, super robots. So I think I think that that's probably you know we're building. I think we're building the thing that will be the next level of of evolution. But I don't I don't think we are. But so much of our focus is the like the entertainment applications of these devices. You know, like we become. Become obsessed with like, well, I'm going to take a picture of my dick, and you yeah. know. Oh yeah, idiocracy is totally coming true. Yeah. So like, wait, there's so, no, by the way, watch idiocracy we, now. It's fucking. It's really funny it's, how prophetic that movie it's is. It's terrifying. You like, you watch, and you're like, oh, this is happening. Yeah, like, this is all happening. Yeah, our president's we're, we're totally elect a gladiator. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> it's, we're close to it. <laughs> Are we so we're basically saying that like we'll eventually become and this is an old reference, I apologize, the Teddy Ruxpin of the future, <laughs> which is like we'll just be the soft, fleshy thing, but then you put a tape in our back and we become super smart. Yeah, or or you know, the uh, basically <laughs> or grubby, the, or grubby. I guess Neo was kind of a Teddy Ruxpin because <laughs> <laughs> he plugged in the Yeah, he's like we all have to get our inner Teddy Ruxpins out. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's really kinda what it, that's really kinda what it was. I want somebody to make a graphic of this podcast of three of us as like Teddy Ruxpin characters. <laughs> Get our tapes in. What are our tapes? What tapes are we listening to today? You know, there. Oh man, you know, and we don't have time to go into it. But just, just to let you know, if you like, if you, I feel like there's a lot of crossover between supernatural shows and true and true crime shows. Yeah, you, I tend. Lydia and I watch a shit ton of that stuff because Investigation Discovery is the other channel that has all of the true crime stuff. But there's a there's a show called Homicide Hunter and it's fucking great. Whoa, it's this guy named uh, Joe Kenta and he was a homicide detective in Colorado Springs, you know, a couple decades ago. And he's just kind of like he's exactly if you cast an old grizzled detective, it's this guy. But he uh, he he solved something like. 400 homicides in Colorado Springs. Wow. Which apparently was a very deadly place. Yeah. And it's just him. He narrates and he comes out and they've done, they're in their fifth season and there's, they, it's like this guy plays him young. Uh-huh. But it's him talking about how he solved these murders. He wrote the crimes and they have the reenactment, but he kind of voices it over and the reenactments are pretty good. And wow. it's a fucking Homicide great, hunter. and, and, and he's just this kind of guy that, you know, uh, as soon as that guy got out of the van, all the bells went off in my head. Like he's one of those. He's one of those guys. Oh, what's this? A footprint? Hello. Like it's a lot of that kind of. But he's really great, and uh, and it's a really fun show. I love Homicide when you can find somebody like that. Like that. Like I feel like Nathan for you did a thing. Or the first season where they hire like a private investigator and like he was a real asshole to Nathan, like a real <laughs> jerk. And then he got his own reality show, like where he's like going around like being like a like a like a bail bondsman or something. But like his like like all you need to do is find that person that has some sort of personality, just like makes him a little bit more interesting. And then the Norman, you got a show. It's I'm like, telling you, Homicide Hunter, Lieutenant Joe Kenta, it's fucking fantastic. I, you, wait. I think I, I know I'm you. Are you still doing How Did This Get Made? Yes. What was the most recent? Uh, the most recent, we did a double feature of Furious 7, which is a, a favorite. Like, that's, uh, thank God this got made, we call it, because we love those movies so much. And then Maximum Overdrive, which machines wow. taking over. There it goes together. Maximum Overdrive. Is one of the most insane movies. Is thank I've ever God seen. this got made like a very religious uh, yes. angle. On, <laughs> we sit back, we talk sit about back, the take a moment of silence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cra- uh, Crank, uh, Con Air, 
the Furious Seven movies, uh, all those movies kind of fall into uh, Face Off. They fall into that. Maximum Overdrive. So I remember liking Maximum Overdrive when I was young. I think it's the best movie that we've done on how this get made as far as it's insane. Like uh, Wait, that's Steve- Stephen King. Stephen King, yeah. a-, a four-page short, short story that he turned into a 90-minute movie. Was that a Bachman? Uh, it might have been. And he is totally high on coke the entire time, and admittedly so. Like he's like, I don't remember shooting this. I was high on cocaine. Was so dangerous with the crew that like one guy got blind because he was like he wanted to put real lawnmower blade. Like all the all Who was electronics. This? Who was talking about? Uh, Stephen King because he wrote and directed it. Oh, okay. And so he wanted everything to look real, and they had like a lawnmower that came to life. And he's like, let's put real blades in it. And the stunt guy was like, you're not even going to see the blades. You're just gonna see them <laughs> he's like, let's put real blades in it. They put real blades in it. The blade cut something on a lawn, shot into the stunt guy's eye. And like he got blinded and sued the movie for like $16 million. Oh, my like, God. The movie is off the rails insane. Like insane to that there's no real ending. There's no real bad guy. Some equipment is coming alive. Some equipment not. Like some guns fire themselves because they're robots. Other guns, totally So it's sort of like me. Transformers without the transforming. Yeah, it really, and it, there's no reason for it. And there's just a lot of text at the front and the back that kind of sum it up, but don't make any sense. Like, we took it line by line. I was like, I, explain this. It does not make sense. So, Maximum Overdrive. That's so weird. We, we had a, an accidental Stephen King marathon this weekend. Oh, really? We watched three movies. One of them not a Stephen King movie, Beetlejuice. Uh-huh. Then Running Man, okay, which was Bachman, amazing, and then Creep Show, oh great! Wow. But all three movies, completely selected randomly, all had the catchphrase "It's Showtime." Beetlejuice <laughs> says it, Richard Dawson says it, and Leslie Nielsen says it in Creep Show. Wow, it is Showtime. For Beetlejuice, soon. by the way, totally holds up. Does it? Really? Oh, Running Man. Oh my God, so beautifully. I haven't seen Beetlejuice in a while. It's so funny that Beetlejuice holds up so beautifully, and Batman. <laughs> Does not hold up. Like Beetlejuice feels timeless, but Batman just feels like ah, well, this you, is very. You yeah, know why? Because yeah. I think that Beetlejuice is like in that house, and it doesn't like kind of. It's much more of like a family story, and it's gothic in its way, I guess. Like, but Batman, yeah, Batman, it's weird. Beetlejuice is fucking. It's still fantastic. Running Man is still great. See, Running Man is awesome. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and Creep Show is really fun. So Maximum Overdrive and Maximum the- Overdrive is worth watching because it's it's. I mean, it's the only movie that Stephen King directed, uh, so he wrote and directed his own thing, and it's arguably, I think, the most confusing version <laughs> of anything. And, um, and if, you, if you have your druthers, uh, look up the trailer. The trailer is amazing. The trailer is Stephen King talking to camera, and he's got like this like weird, like almost cross-eyed thing going on, and he's standing in front of a truck. He's like... Hi, I'm Stephen King, and I'm going to scare the crap out of you. Like, you know, it's like, it's like really, it's like, it's great. It's All one right. of the best trailers. I've I haven't seen it. I, I don't think I've seen it since seeing it on Cinemax when I was a kid. It's super fun. It's like, it's, you know, we always try to find those movies that are fun bad. Yeah. And this is so enjoyable. Like, I had fun so coming cool. on your show when we yes. did Season of the Witch. Season of the Witch, which is an interesting one. Nicolas Cage movie that won the uh, Oscar for best script, what? Yeah, or, uh, the Oscar Fellowship Award. So basically, the the Oscars put on this award. They find the best script, and that movie, Season of the Witch, won that year. And then was it was made into before a movie. they saw it. But, oh, right. but, but yeah, they, so I guess before it was even made, it was like the blacklist version. Well, I guess of, like, that's the, how that got made. Yeah, I guess it, that's. But, cr- but how did it that get movie? to where it was? That's a thing. It's like because it's not a particularly original story. No, not at all. That's what. Yeah. 
Uh, it's a real I'm, bizarre I'm, one. I'm really baffled by that concept. Uh, it's, it, Can you imagine having the movie? It's a weird. It's a eh, well. Uh, the, the The basic story is that uh, Nicolas Cage needed money <laughs> for because of because ta- of tax stuff and island. buying dinosaur bones. Yeah, uh, which I totally understand. Look, I'd like to buy dinosaur and, bones. Uh, and so yeah, it's just this weird. It's, it's like a it's like a, it's like a demon hunter movie in the in ends this, in an old castle. It's it's yeah. fairly unmemorable. It's, it's kind of middle ages yeah. tale. Like it's, of a witch, yeah, they hunt a witch or something. They hunt a witch, witch possesses yeah, different. But it's people. not particularly. It's no good. Yeah, it's not, it was it's not, not good, but it was fun to do the podcast. Yeah, it was fun. I would love you to. You know, have Rob Hubel was on episode number two of the Nerdist podcast. I remember that because oh, I remember really? uh, we was that in your old office? Like, was that? Um, I think so. Yeah, that was a long time. That ago. That was five and a half years ago. Yeah, I don't. Remember episode what, number wow. two. I wonder what we talked about. Who's episode remember. number one? Tom Lennon. Oh wow. Tom Lennon number one. Rob Hubel number two. Look at that. I did the Nerdist Terry, podcast number three in your John house. Number four. You did it at the house. Yeah. I did the house, and that was really fun. That was still in the early ages of podcasting. I imagine yeah. that was in the probably in the first one hundred. That, that was in the old house. That was yeah. When I, that was, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that must have been. Yeah. That. Was, now what? you guys are back. And now we're back. We're, we're back. back. But you, but you have a the, the, you. But you're back, and uh, and you have a show which we did not talk about. At well, all. It's a, <laughs> it is about the figuring out the universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you know, but with the but with the level of study and education <laughs> about astronomy that you have by right the way, now, I would love that. Like that should be a podcast. Just people like every, it's no one of great minds. Just people who are interested. Going, I think this is what I think it is, and it's just like just a real debate, but not. I, think that, I don't think they should say I think. I should think they should just make the assertions like that's a hundred percent true. Because uh, there's an old Ben Stiller sketch called B minus Time Traveler. Oh, my favorite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. It was the, the day that will have been in for me, 1940 or 19. Just uh, <laughs> with Washington. Well, what am I retreating? Am I attacking? I don't know. I just remember something about shoes. Well, that's how I feel a lot of times, like on podcasts, like talking about stuff because I have a lot of uh, half facts in my brain. Yeah. You know, like I have a lot of like, oh, what's the thing about this theory and da da da. And like when I listen to it or when I read about it initially, I'm like, oh, this is legit and real, and I'm going to remember this. And then when I start talking about stuff, I'm like, I can't quite remember all of the facts, but I do think that there it goes are... back to you don't need to because you got the internet. Yeah, now, so you don't someone can be anything. intrigued by you and then they'll Google it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, though, this would literally be the worst time for a worldwide apocalypse to happen because by and large, people are the least skilled they've, I think... The, well, like the average person is the least skilled. Going back to the pioneer people, we I don't think we could do what the pioneer people did right now. Oh, Plant listen, crops. Yeah, I mean, can you can imagine a pioneer, like the, the, the pioneers basically, if someone's like, oh, by the way, there was an apocalypse, they'd be like, so? Sure. Well, I look, mean, yeah, how, it's still bison. How, the bison out there. Can we make another bison? panicked you get when your phone dies you're like oh fuck i don't know anyone's phone number i don't know yeah. like i literally i don't know my wife's phone number <laughs> i don't have to you don't have to look because, at it you just but, type but if name. my phone dies i am like completely impotent like yep. i just like i, I luckily have anything. been dating my my uh you've been my dating wife your wife for i've been dating my wife for a long time we're getting serious uh <laughs> but that's it she's seeing other husbands well we'll see you know we're talking about starting to go steady as husband and wife um but i i, I knew her at a time when they to type in her number, and now I don't have to do that anymore. My, so I memorize it. My wife, I mean, do you? Most people are probably uh, they don't do this, but like I still have my wife's. Uh, you know, from when I met her, I put her first and last name in my phone, and I still have that. Like when she calls oh, me. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, because like that's when I met her. And, and but now when she calls me, and she, if like 
if she calls me from the car just to fuck mm-hmm. with me, we do that a lot. She'll be like, "Why does my first and last name come up on your like? Why is it? Why doesn't it say wife? You know?" And I'm like, "Because that's not how." Yeah. The night that I met you and I got your fucking phone number from you when we were, <laughs> that's how I put it in my phone, and it's never changed. You know? um, June puts me in her phone under this like dumb name that she and it's been going on for years that whenever she puts me in a group email everyone sees the dumb name of me that like, like a little pet name it's like it's like, like i think it's like special bunny it is it's special bunny that's oh, what it is oh, so, uh, I don't but like everybody I mean, I sees special, special bunny, bunny but i didn't know that it was you okay just, to, you, but it's you like, just but got yourself like 10,000 special bunny tweets <laughs> no it, it it is like it's the ba- it happens on every group email because everyone goes oh special bunny oh special bunny and it's like and i'm like just change it let's put it to paul like you don't need a special bunny but my wife has everybody in her phone has a different name. Like there are people like they all have their own nicknames that all come up in a very weird. Well, when I was dating Janet, I I put her number in a I put a separate contact, so if anything happened to me, they would call her. So it was in case of emergency. Oh yeah, and her number. But whenever she call would call, it would it would just come up as in case of emergency. That's and hilarious. I just never changed it. So yeah. if Janet ever calls now, it just as in case of emergency That's calling. Bad. I never change. I probably change the. She's probably not the per. Yeah, you probably want to. Yeah, yeah, you probably you gotta you gotta change that. Something up. happened to me, and someone called her. She'd be like, "Yes, yeah, so we're not together <laughs> yeah. anymore. Why are you?" Oh, calling what happened? Me he got hit by a bus. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I'll, uh, you should probably inform his girlfriend. Well, yeah, somebody made a good point. Like somebody made a point. It's like, do not put your case of emergency someone that is very close to you because. Chances are they may be with you That's in that true. accident. Like they you know, were it's like burned alive. Yeah, like also, put yeah. it like two steps removed. The person that you're not on a road trip with, or they're the ones who murdered you and then drank acid on Christmas Day. Yes, exactly. it's not helpful to anybody. I go, if we do another crash test, which we did not talk about, yes, we uh, we should go to those murder houses. Just so you know, crash test. Robin, I did our first ever comedy special on a bus. By the, by the way, we're the worst promoters ever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We, We've uh, been talking for an hour. But we talk about, about the, the universe, man. Uh, Your show's just a simulation anyway. It is, it is, bro. It is. Yeah, we did a comedy special on a bus that uh, went all over Hollywood. A glass and, uh, bus that like is state-of-the-art, and you can like yell at people in the street. They can hear you. You can hear them. It was basically a, a stand-up show. It started off as a stand-up show where we have like Natasha yeah. Leggero and Aziz and all these people, and then like, gradually we start we stop at different people's houses like Rob yeah, Gordry and, and- – uh, Aziz, uh, sorry, Aziz, Aziz Plaza, Aubrey Plaza. Uh, that's uh, that's Aubrey Plaza, Aziz's kid. Um, Jack McBrayer. We have a, re- a reunion of Reno nine one one, which is really cool. On it, what I think what's cool about it is, um, and you didn't ask, Chris. We're just telling you what's sorry. cool about our comedy. I want to know what's cool about no, it. I want you to walk me through all the cool points. We it's like that we didn't talk about it. We'll, we'll talk about that. It's like the the thing that we did was like we tried to do a UCB style show, like an Upright Citizen Brigade style show. In our special. So we did one take. We never rehearsed it. We never did it. We did six hours, and we whittled it down to, like, the best hour version of it. So it feels like a lot of the times people that we meet on the street, like Aziz and Aubrey and Rob, the first time we saw them was when we pulled up to their fictional houses. Yeah, we basically texted people and said, hey, what about doing a bit with us on the show tonight? Are you available? <laughs> like, Give them be, no time. Yeah. Yeah, which is actually yard. very generous of you because – when someone asks you to do something, oh, I got to prepare something for that. Well, you know what? It actually fucking... worked out great because the whole thing is super funny and, and like everyone that's seen it loves it. And it is just one of those things like it was an event. Like it's just like it happened on this night and everyone showed up with their A game and did a funny bit. Earl Sweatshirt improvises a music video, one take music video. Like, wow. Yeah, it's really kind of neat. They, re- they made Paramount smell <laughs> like pot. 
all of Paramount. We Paramount up, is we, a we, giant. We take city block. the bus. We take the bus and we uh, we basically crash through the gate on the Paramount lot, and uh, we met them on the New York on the backstage. It looks like New York City, and uh, you know because it's you know he's a rapper. We got to make it look urban, cool. sure. you know. So yeah. that made a lot of sense. But, and but they were smoking so much weed outside that like the bus. Just was overpowered with weed. We were overpowered, but like the block was overpowered. Like the security guard had to come up to one of our people and be like, "Hey, um, this whole area, like it's like what it was. It was <laughs> giant. It wasn't like oh those guys like, keep it in there. It was like no, you, you stunk up everything, all of it. And they're outside. Like it makes yeah. no sense. They're just outside. You you ruined the out of doors. We ruined Hollywood. Where, where is Crash uh, Test? You can get it on Vimeo in demand, or just go to CrashTestShow.com. But it's only three ninety nine. Super cheap. We kept it cheap. We kind of produced it ourselves to a certain extent, uh, and so yeah, it's out there. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. To we see originally it. were going to charge four, and then we we're like, you know what? Let's save. Let's save people a little cash. You know, yeah, so we, we really charge three ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Psychologically, wanted, it's better. Yeah, we want to yeah. do more. We want to. I think we really want to do it down at like San Diego Comic Con. Like in that, in the craziness oh. of that, like it would be so fun to interact with people and get out there and just see what's going on. It'd be a, a clusterfuck, but it'd be really fun. That would no, be... and 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 you know, it's one of the, it's one of the things that I absolutely that that kind of makes me jealous about improv improvisation as opposed to have like spending a two years to craft the perfect right. meticulous set yeah. is that you base because of your skill set and the people that you know you could literally walk out of this room with your iphone shoot a special that could be just as funny as something that someone spent two years writing and then it's just that you just you could just make a thing every day you could just make a thing well the, the i think that the uh the whole trick there is just having a really good editor we had a yes. really good editor that, like because you know you end up with a lot of stuff like oh that was a funny idea it did not work did not work you know and we ended up you know cutting out like yeah, they did star wars yeah yeah but it <laughs> yeah, is they just improv yeah. it yeah. so they found <laughs> like, oh that works yeah yeah cool but Han we literally got the Falcon back. Great, we great. literally just like ditched entire chunks We're like oh that doesn't really work that's not like our strongest stuff and just kept in like what happened to work so you just get a good editor to cut out all the shit and i think we're always trying to be a little bit more critical than most because i think to me i always feel like shorter is better you know it's like i think you just want to keep it as compact as you can and as funny as you can do it i feel like that's you know it just always seems like it's better in that version let me ask you a question that may be tough for you to ask and then we'll we'll wrap up it's this might be tough for you to answer i do not fuck dogs are you sure? Well, How not, do you explain this? We were any, told, hey, guys, we have our publicists here. They were supposed to say well, this was off limits. We were not supposed to ask them about fucking well, dogs. You were not supposed to ask about you our relationship to dogs. You volunteered. You volunteered. You volunteered. He said he had a tough question. What else could it be? Well, oh, it, right. it, it, it wasn't in the neighborhood of that. I mean, I was <laughs> creeping slowly up to it to the side of your bed like the way your dog creeps up to <laughs> fuck you while you're sleeping. Uh I'm sorry. I just thought maybe you'd want to talk about it. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, we're breaking a lot of stories in the podcast now. So I thought maybe <laughs> I would just give Deadline a break and break the Rob Hubel dog fucking story. My, my biopic. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess that's it. No, what no, is your real question? It was, it, it's, um, I, and I, I've only, I, I've only been once in the last, oh God, I almost feel like maybe in the last year. But it start, it started to feel like a little bit. Like, some of the UCB audiences seem a little hipstery to me now. Like, not as... In the earlier days, like, it was real... It felt like real comedy fans. Like, they went to have fun. And now it kind of feels a little hipstery and... and insidery, you mean? Like, yeah, well, insidery, I, no, I hear little, No, I hear what you're saying. Just it, a little defensive and more judgy based... And it's not based on a set that I had. It was just... It was the show overall, the audience felt. And it was like, 
When, you, when you people did you come here because you heard this was a cool place to go? Yeah, or yeah. What? I will say that when we first came out to LA, we came from New York, obviously, and we were doing shows there. And New York audiences are great, and they're very, uh, they're just in it with you. And when, I, when we first came in doing shows out here, I remember going like, "Oh, I feel like judged. I feel like they're <laughs> like they're." Looking at us like, is that funny? Like looking at the people to the left and their to, right. To know if it's okay for them to laugh at it. Yeah, and I, I remember that then we broke through that ceiling where I felt like, okay, now it's a comedy. Like now UCB is cultivating this comedy audience. But I think the location of where it's at I, yeah, I know on what a talking given about. night, you can have a little bit more hipster to comedy fan because I think it is a thing to do. I think and it it's, is more, a place it's more people that. who are more like <laughs> funny as opposed to mm-hmm. like – People who ha- who are you know like oh I'm just I'm just here to re- yeah. surrender myself and laugh. I, it's the same I, felt that, I, felt, I felt that at other places too. Though, like if you go to do a show, you know, at, at any other place around Hollywood, sometimes I think it's just like um, it's sometimes just comedy fans like the, because if you're a fan of comedy, eventually uh, you know obviously your tastes evolve and you become more uh, discerning, and so the bar is raised all the time. Yeah, and you don't laugh at the same things all the time. So uh, yeah, I've definitely felt that. But though. I also feel like it's the same reason why people. Like bands are like, I don't like to play in L.A. Because I think the the bands that people play in L.A., they're like, the audience is like, cool. That was a good song. Yeah. Great set. <laughs> cool. Like, you know, New York would be like, ah, oh, yeah, like just dancing. And like, and I feel like there is a coolness factor to it. Rob and I do our show, the Crash Test show that we base the show on. Like to a very um, – the audience comes back again and again mm-hmm. and again. And it's a great audience. And I feel like we've cultivated to a certain extent – and even our Facebook show that we do where we improvise off of people's Facebook pages. Like a little bit more of an audience that comes back. So that's a nice buffer I think to always make sure that – all right, well, if you have 25 percent hipsters – we're going to give you 75 – we'll surround that by 75% of laughers. If, if that makes sense, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, I don't know. Because I would always notice a difference when I had been on the road for a while and I would go perform in L.A. or like UCB or any of the local shows. I would have to structure the bits differently because if they seemed too structured, which is, which is very important when you're on the road – then people don't they don't trust it, and so they're a little they get thrown off, and so you have to kind of evolve your presentation to to to, to kind of to account for the fact that they are kind of comedy like mega comedy fans are a little bit comedy hipsters. and they know where you're going they know where you're you going there, and yeah. they don't and if they smell a bit then they're immediately that's not to say like they there are certain types of bits that they will tolerate. But it, but it, but it's definitely the presentation has to be a little looser and a little bit. Different. Well, we, I felt that too yeah. at different shows too, like uh, uh, at um, different um, levels of savviness at, at at specific stand-up shows. You know, like I like I remember um, doing uh, like Death Ray and stuff at mm-hmm. UCB, and I, I remember being very intimidated intimidated by that crowd at first because they seemed like so evolved comedically yeah. that I remember just and it's all perception. Like I would just get in my head, you know, to do that show. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what that is. I, I don't know whether it's just that, like, um, you know, when 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 it's a a bunch of smart comedy people, I don't know. You just feel like you're being judged a little more. <laughs> well, I, I'll say too, like, I like sometimes the league when the league comes back, we do things where we go out on the road and do stand up. Now I'm not a stand up, but I know like they're like they kind of count on me to go out because I'm I perform. So they go, oh, well, you perform, you're stand up. I'm like, well, I'm not really stand up. And like, well, I'll just do bits. And so I very quickly learned on the first two shows out on the road, like, ooh, UCB style, LA, New York style bits. Loose bits. Are not going to work. They don't work, as well work. The they're, not, they're not getting like the irony of it or anything. So I was like, I shit, I need to like figure out how to do stand up. Uh, and not a lot, like just like 10, 15 minutes of it, like to make sure that I could go out there and do my thing and, and be done. 
And when I did that, I refused to perform at any of the L.A. like like Meltdown or UCB. I just kind of went out to like the Ice House in Pasadena and I went out to the Improv and I went to all these other places that are like quote unquote like real stand up places because the audiences there are – I don't know. They're not going to let you get away with certain stuff. Like I feel like if I did my set that I was doing on the league, which I did, uh, on the road, they would kill at UCB and – flat out bomb which yeah. it did and I felt like and I was like shit but you can't do the reverse either exactly so like I never did my like stand up what I did on the road is only like stays in certain places you know what it is I think it's that I think these audiences in particular the hipstery audiences they want to feel like whatever they're seeing is is super authentic and in the moment they want to feel like it's really authentic and so if it feels like a bit that you've constructed or done before, then they're instantly like, hey, what? Well, what? What? And I think it's just they need things to feel like they're super in the moment and super real. Even if you yeah. have like a book in front of you, like I think Paul Tompkins is one of the best guys at doing something that seems so off the cuff and it's perfectly like kind of. And then of all of a sudden together. he's going down this deep trench from a, a tangent. It's fucking, yeah, he's it's incredible. Amazing. And I think Louis does it. I've seen Louis too. It's like, like Louis makes you think like, oh, I'm just thinking this right now, and it's like, and I think that's the the sometimes the 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 trick of like like oh, is it, are they just coming up with that in the moment? And I think it's like kind of that building. I mean, you would know too. It's like that building of those segues to kind of feel like you can kind of tangentialize for a little bit, but knowing that you're going to hit this one part and then yeah. go really, it's like almost you have to take them on a detour to get them lost before you kind of yeah. hit into yeah. Patton's really good at that. Too. Oh yeah, I mean masterful. I, I saw the first time I saw Patton out in L.A. I was like, holy shit, he improvised that entire stand-up routine. And then I saw him like a week later doing a very similar thing. I was like – and it was like – and I'm like, I've been performing comedy forever. I like that he like, tricked you. Like that like, you got fooled. And I was like, what? Oh, but, but it is. It's like when you have that in-the-moment thing, you feel like, oh, that's so natural. It's so – But it, you know what? The thing is it should feel that way because that's what – I think that's when comedy is working its best. And that's what's so great about a, a fantastic improv show is that an audience should feel like – they have all come together as a little mini temporary community to experience this one thing together, and it should feel special, and it should and it will never un- happen again. It should feel unique, and it'll never happen again. And with stand up, it's difficult to do that because you really do have to hone down, and, yeah. and you have to craft the because you know that like when you when you craft like the boom 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 at the end of a joke. It's going to hit – like that's the way it's going to hit. It's yeah. never going to hit if you're like – if you la- like lazily get yeah. there. It's, right. it's not – you know, it's, it's if a you, weird if you, t- if you take time off from stand-up, like if you're working or something and you, and you don't go on the road for like a month, does it completely fuck you up? It doesn't fuck me up, but it does it, – there is a little bit of a – Trying it, to get back into the – It's sort of like – you know, like when you – Paul, Paul and I go to the same gym. Yeah. And so... Hey, so, where was hey, my hey, phone busy? Hey, where, on, what don't worry about where, it. Don't you worry about, about it. Which gym is this? Well, you're not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the two of us. Yeah. No dog fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, says on the gym. It's no dog fuckers. Yeah, gym. I mean, it's pretty bold. It's run by a dog. Yeah. And so... <laughs> he, he hates doesn't it. Really, yeah, he feels like he's been really hurting his... Just in case my mom's listening, I don't fuck dogs. Your mom all of a sudden gets into the podcast. I make love to them. I make sure they're getting something out of it. I'm not I'm a nuts. I'm not I like all things considered and dog uh, so you guys go to the same gym. Yeah. I would love to hear the Dog Fuckers podcast, but on and Anyways, great dog. <laughs> You're listening to the Bull Member Supported <laughs> National Public Radio, Dog Fuckers. <laughs> Wait, well, what did they say? Fucking dogs. Um, so, uh, you guys yes. go to the same gym. Yeah. yeah, we go to the same gym. And it's like, is this when, a shirts off gym or oh, shirts always. on? 
Pants off, shirts on. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes if you shy a little in there, it's uh, cowboy boots he's on. He's wearing cowboy boots and jeans. Yeah. Is that true? Totally yeah. true. Oh, boy. Uh, but um, but it's like when you haven't worked out in like a month and that first time you go back and you're like, oh, yeah, this. It yeah. feels like that. Like there's a little bit of a... Uh, a warm-up you know, phase. Even as long as I've been yeah. doing it, if I take like a month off or three weeks off, there's a little bit of a, yeah. oh, I got to get yeah, the rhythm of it. What's yeah. your writing process like? Do you write all the time or do you like... Or are you like writing towards an hour like what how do you approach writing it's there there's no i don't have a set way it's just i'll jot notes down i've been doing the beta this, this beta test show at meltdown yeah where it, it's all new material or it has to be new spins if it's old material got but it, it. Just has to it's a workshop show and so in evernote basically i create a note that has a bunch of new stuff or whatever i'm going to try in the next set got it. in the next beta test set and if things if things work on pre on existing stuff, then I'll try them on on the road. But you know, I was really disappointed. I just had two weeks off, and it was amazing. And I in my head, I thought, well, I'm gonna I'm just gonna write an hour a day while I'm on vacation. Yeah. And I didn't because I just didn't want to do anything. Yeah, yeah. But I but I I do want to. I'm shooting a special in January, and so I do want to get into the habit now. Every morning, even just for a half hour, just sitting down, and it doesn't matter what it is. If I'm adding to an existing bit, yeah. or listening to an old set and trying to craft it, that I, I'm now in this phase where I'm trying to tighten all the screws. I'm not trying to bring in a bunch of new stuff. Yeah. So I'm looking at all the existing stuff and figuring out where's the fat, what can I trim, where's the air, what can I squeeze out, can I add things here and there to tighten this all up. So that's where, that's where I'm at now. Yeah, yeah. That, and that seems like that's, and that's the hardest stuff to do, essentially, because that's like where, because I, I feel like in the limited experience that I have had doing it, like when you do hit that one wording that s- switches at the end, it's just like, oh, wait a second. That went just, from like um, uh, like a, a five or a six to like a nine. And you like, usually just don't know until you're doing it. So you just have to do it a lot. It's very hard to do. It's very hard to do it at home. It's rare that I will write a bit at home, do it on stage exactly the way I wrote it at home, and it works. Like there's always a bit right, of a right. finding it with the with the with audience. The crowd too, and are yeah. you right? I mean, this is a, these are dumb questions, but are you writing it out? Full? Or are you writing it out like beats? Like beats. Here's beats. Yeah, I write it out like a like an outline. So it's you know here's the general thing that I want to talk about. So it's you right. know ghost shows, and then I'll write some things right. like bullet points. These are some things that are weird, and then under each of those bullet points could be like sub sub layers of yeah. how the joke might work or what what I think a couple of joke points might be, and then I'll say where I think it can tie to something else in, in my in my set, and then I'll just I'll say it out loud. And my brain will fill in the. It'll make it conversational. And now, do you say it out loud for the first time at home or on stage? On stage, yeah. I don't. I, I, yeah. Because I, it just. Right, yeah. It's pointless for me to say it at home, out loud on at home, because I don't. There's no audience there to react off it, so I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just like. I the, think that's good I'm if you so, first start stand up and you just want to hear. The it. best thing that Aziz showed me was listening to an old set right before getting on stage and doing a new set. Like so, you're hearing yourself do your last version of that set and you can kind of pick things up in that moment and then you go out on stage. That's really smart. Yeah. Uh, It was one of the, and it makes you look a little antisocial before you go do your set, but at the same time, you're kind of judging yourself and then you go, oh, I I know how to do that. that I think it's very hard for for an entire set to, you know, the next time I do a set, I'm going to change all these things. I kind of change incrementally so, because I don't want to overwhelm. Right. The set, uh, especially if you're trying stuff. Yeah. So I'll know, like, oh, this bit about my dad, 
the next time I do it, I'm going to try. I'm going to sneak this and this and this in and see which one of those works. Got it. But then a lot of what I do on stage is is kind of riffy anyway. So it's I'm supposed to really go back and listen to my old sets, and I don't I don't do that as much. <laughs> it's so funny because like because you bemoan like your lack of discipline in that, and like I just I feel like improv in a way like I love it, but it has fucked me up in the in the way that. I am only in love with something for like one time. You know what I mean? Like, oh uh, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like sometimes people ask me to, to come on and do stand up or whatever. So I'll write like ten minutes and I'll go and do it, and then I'll never. I just don't want to do it again. Like, I just don't want. to I love do it the again. crafting process. I love the. It's like whittling. I mean, it's yeah. basically just like you have this block of wood and you whittle it down, and then you know at a certain point you go, ah, it's done. The bummer thing that happens is when you've like. You know, if I, I did a special or I've done a bit a bunch of times and I don't do it anymore and then I think of a bunch of new tags and I'm like, shit, but it's too late because I, yeah, I can't go back and, and do it again. Yeah. But uh, Aren't we the best talking about our comedy? We figured out comedy in the universe and life after death. Simulation yeah. theory, ghosts, dog fucking, dog <laughs> stairs. Really did. We just brought that up again. Well, guys, look, yeah. I'm here to promote don't one to, thing. No. That's my doggy You're stairs. My crack. line of doggy right. stairs. <laughs> I mean, what more Fuck could me the doggy doggy stairs? <laughs> <laughs> what more could the podcast listener want? I mean, we have we really answered so the, many yeah. questions. This is a dense ninety-two <laughs> minutes that we've that we've really put together. Yeah. But I'm we're replacing. Uh, we're we're going to be the new hostful episodes right here. The new hostful, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, Myra and Ray are out. Cheer and Hubel are in. Get them out. That's it. One of you's got to collect guitars and talk about NASA, and then the other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feel like that'll be you yeah i'll do it i'm there yeah, i'm in and then you got it you've got a hat and that plaid shirt so yeah. that's more of the jonah <laughs> yeah i got jonah's bit i gotta do that yeah and uh jonah does have a bit about ejaculating on dogs so does he really yeah. work. Jeez. he does he does have a bit about coming on dog's face <laughs> i gotta now i gotta shake this how long is it gonna take me to shake this fucking Forget bit yeah. you know no one will remember you know no one that's the beauty of it is nothing sticks anymore because yeah, yeah, this yeah. is like like the controversies of today by the yeah. time someone gets around to even tweeting to get bored in the middle of the tweet. Yeah, like, like, hey, what's what amazing f- to me? This is the, the total. I, this is a total side thing. Before we wrap, what's amazing to me is uh, I, South Park is consistently like I think South Park has surpassed the The Simpsons was very influential to me for a lot of years, but I think South Park has surpassed every comedy show in terms of consistency. That yeah. for seventeen or eighteen seasons, mm-hmm, absolutely, the show is still funny, edgy incredible satire but it is as sensitive as people are about things today and as outraged as people love to be i cannot believe what that show is able to get away with it seems to violate every rule of what our culture gets pissed off about what are you thinking of lately that they did that uh... i'm just just watching they came in they came in they get the perfect time they got grandfathered in and they came in with like, I think it was like Jesus, like it was a Jesus the Christmas card. That Spirit was like of Christmas, yeah, and that was like how it started. And it's like they could never, they never went backwards, like you know. So they ne- like they never got like you know. They always, I think, were hitting it from that moment. Well, one. it's just like it's just like watching the. I watched the um, the the episode where Randy Marsh says the N word on Wheel of Fortune. They say the N word like a hundred times <laughs> yeah. in that episode, just very flatly. In the video game, they make you com- do an abortion. And if you don't do it, the game shuts off. <laughs> and you can, like, one, one of the classes in Stick of Truth is you can play as a Jew. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's crazy. they totally get away with it. And so it makes me feel like 
people are offended by things if they're if they if they if the general consensus is they're not funny because that's the only thing that, unless they got grandfathered in somehow and people yeah. go well but that's South Park yeah but you're mad about that I know but that's South Park that's what they do like it's it, it seems okay for them now to do yeah. something they they do yeah they feel like no one even gets outraged with them it's not like at Kanye all West like that's it like that's the only person I can remember that's had an issue is Kanye. Yeah, no, I think it's more like, no, we're going to go attack people that we think will be really upset by it. And you know what? I think what's so good so about So you don't that, think this dog fucking thing is going to stick? Uh, I think it's not going to. I didn't think it's not going to stick. People won't remember. The way yeah. that the I don't fuck dogs. Mom, I don't fuck dogs. sticks to your balls when you fuck a dog. I don't even, I don't even get when that you, analogy. When you get the <laughs> immense joy and pleasure that you get from putting yourself inside a small canine. I do love dogs, but not in that way, Mom. You love ejaculating inside a dog. <laughs> And having the stairs. That's it. You love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> you you enjoy yeah. it more than anything. And it's not cheating, technically. If you have oh, pictures of Rob fucking your dog, please send them in. <laughs> no. No. No, we couldn't draw find them. We draw them from memory. We'd probably sooner find that than Bigfoot and Ghosts. There's got to be footage somewhere. This is Rob the year. Will. I'm telling you, this is the year we find Bigfoot and Ghosts. And we do not. Why it's already you? September, Rob. Yeah. It's not happening. Well, he just wants to find Bigfoot so he can fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably. I probably would. I would fuck Bigfoot if we if we capture Bigfoot and get him in a cage. <laughs> Rob, you will send me over there. I will fuck him. This is the claim. If we find Bigfoot, yes. Rob will fuck him. Yeah, I don't. I'm tired of you all these like bounties. Her. Like there are all these bounties on those Bigfoot hunter shows, like a million dollars. Like no, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. If we capture Bigfoot and get him in a cage, I will fuck him. Rob, aka Dog the Bounty Fucker, <laughs> will fuck Bigfoot. <laughs> Once and for all. Once and for all. <laughs> all right. Here we go. We did it. We did it. Good we did it. Crash test. Vimeo. Crash test. test. Vimeo. On Vimeo or uh, crashtestshow.com. Yeah. Enjoy your burrito. All right. So now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. <laughs>